Welcome to the Radically Aligned Show. I'm your host, Dieter Suriani. This is the show that covers topics of spirituality, love, relationships, impact, and everything in between. Welcome to the show where there is no filter and nothing is left off the table. And every episode is guaranteed to take you on a journey deep within yourself. Welcome to the Radically Aligned Show, and let's get this one started. Welcome to the Radically Aligned Show. I'm super excited this week to have one of my best friends and also one of my mentors, Karen McGregor, with us today. She is the author of The Tao of Influence, and she's really, when I think of Karen McGregor, I think of a powerhouse. She's a really powerful woman, and she's really in tune with what's going on in the world, especially around leadership. So we're going to be diving into her book today. And, you know, just probably catching up too, because I haven't seen her in a while. I was in Mexico with her and now we're separated, which is always difficult when you're not by a really good friend of yours. So Karen, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Deidre, for having me. Glad to be here back in Canada. I'm a little bit one step closer to you. So uh, we'll have to uh, connect in person soon. Totally. So let's talk a little bit about, so you were just in Mexico and I was in Mexico for a couple months. You were there for what was it? Five months, four or five months. Yeah. Four and a half months. Yes. Yeah. And so the energy is very different in, you know, Mexico uh, versus Canada. And so right away, if we just talk about energy for a moment, because I believe everything's energy. And I know that you have probably a similar belief system around that. What what have you found in the culture of Mexico that's potentially different than how we operate in Canada? And 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 how do you think that Canada could potentially benefit from, you know, a few things that are happening in Mexico right now as far as the way of living and the beingness of it? Because I know for you, the beingness is really, really a thing as far as alignment and leadership. Yes. Well, I think the first thing is around the energy in Mexico that uh, most people are not really listening to the news. They're not, um, you know, on their computers all day long. Um, and, And so what happens is that, you know, we're, we're always influenced by messages and we're influenced by the people who carry the greatest uh, power, so to speak, around messages. And so what I noticed in Mexico is that people spend much, much more time outside with their loved ones doing things other than listening to mass media or listening to, um, you know, the, the voices of power, so to speak. And so uh, I believe because of that, we have a lot less fear um, in Mexico, and there's a lot more alignment with uh, connection to, re- to, you know, to real people, to real relationships. Um, I know that uh, both you and I um, actually had very uh, quick, intimate connections with many people um, because they were outside. The culture is such that, you know, it's natural to go up to someone and say hello and start to be curious about them and start to be curious about their world and what they're up to. And so what I find, Deidre, that is sometimes missing, and I love my country of Canada, don't get me wrong, but sometimes that um, 
that force of love that can open up when we open up to other people isn't actually happening. And, and there are several reasons for that. But I think the biggest reason is this idea that we are consistently exposed to fear that closes our heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in Mexico, that just that just isn't as prevalent. Totally. I, I, as you're speaking of this, I'm totally in the experience of when I was in Mexico, were there billboards? Was I being indoctrinated with all this information? And the answer is no. And another thing in Mexico, like what I noticed where we were staying is there's music all the time. There's singing, there's dancing. These are things that as humans that really get us in touch with our spirit, our creativity, our heart, and allow us to express ourselves. And as you were speaking, another thing that came up is what I am noticing within Canada and the States is just because of the different mentality, because we are bringing in all this information, ads, who to be, who not to be, and and all of these rules, these conditionings of how we need to be in order to be safe, good enough, um, respected, loved, all of these things that are external, is I feel that whether we're conscious of it or not, it's very easy to make judgments on other people based on how they dress, uh, what they drive, what they do for a living, who they know, and all of those things. And and with that, boxing people into categories without actually enrolling and getting to know them. So it's just like, there's so many pieces here. And I'm like, wow, it's like, it's so powerful. So what was something that you personally have experienced from going from Canada, you were in Canada, you know, most of your life to being in Mexico? Um, what are some internal shifts that you notice within yourself? Mm. Well, based on what you've said, as well as your question, I I would have to say it's around uh, identity and roles. So, uh, you know, making the shift from from Canada to Mexico, the the biggest thing that I noticed is that people weren't interested in my identity as a speaker, as an international, you know, acclaimed author. Yeah, you, uh, you only had a million views on your on your TEDx, but no yeah, one nobody like, cares. <laughs> Weird, right? And, and, and you know, at first, the, the the big thing is, well, well, why aren't people interested? Why aren't people asking me? You know, who is Karen McGregor? Nobody cares. <laughs> You know, and and that was so lovely for me because I realized that what I write about in my book, The Tao of Influence, is exactly that, that once we uh, start to unravel our identity, once we start to see that those are just roles that we create in our head to give us validation of our self-worth well what if those roles no longer existed and there's a lot of retired people in the area of Mexico that that I'm in so nobody says well what do you do (laughs) because your validation of your self-worth isn't around what you do for a living it's around who you are like the opening, the 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 love. Uh, can you connect with people and 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 help them to also open up and and to be that love that you are? And so I I just find that the very thing that I wrote about in my book in 20, 2020, it came out in twenty twenty, is exactly what I'm experiencing more of now. Is wow, how am I when I no longer are with people who care about 
roles and identity. And so that big shift, Deidre, was was so important to my personal and spiritual development. And, uh, and now I look forward to meeting people and not having to ask, so what do you do or even be interested in that? It, and so that I think is probably the number one biggest shift from a culture in North America to, to um, you know, small town, many people who are retired and many, many families who just their whole purpose of being is, is to be together. Uh, children, grandparents, uh, like everybody is together and enjoying themselves together. How do I know that? Because it's outside, right? We, we, I see everything and I experience everything. And, and even you, Deidre, I remember, you know, people were saying to you, oh, come on over, I'll, you know, I'll teach you more about music and singing or, you know, like people are just generous and, um, and that generous heart. Uh, I think comes from letting go of roles and identity. Oh, this is, I'm so happy that you're talking about this right now and you're reflecting your experience because this is, I remember, I think it was the first month I was in Mexico. I was going through the same thing and I realized that my worth was so attached to my work and how much I was producing and how much I was putting out there. And it was a very uncomfortable for me. I was going through some massive shattering of my ego. And it was so amazing because when I was able to move through that and I went into these high states of bliss and just like play and these really profound experiences with myself first and then with others. And I just... I just love that we both had that experience together in Mexico and, and um, that you're going to be living there and really stepping more into that because I really do feel that environment plays such a huge role for our development. And, you know, uh, Karen, um, for those of you who don't know everything about Karen, she helped me with my TEDx talk and I talk about flowers and, you know, plants and a big thing as humans, we need to consciously put ourselves in environments that help us thrive, that help us grow. And Mexico for me was one of those places too, where I just felt like, wow, like this is such a beautiful environment to help me grow. So environment is so key. Yeah, it really is. And I think the other thing is around, uh, around money, you know, people are so often fixated with, with money and uh, how much money does someone have? And 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 what are the possessions that people have? And you know what are what kind of clothes? And and all of this means nothing, nothing to most of the people around me in 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 the environment that I was in in Mexico. So again, I think money and possessions are a form of identity, mm-hmm. and they can actually create roles for us. Um, and, and so unraveling all of that and seeing that it doesn't have to be that way and it isn't that way in other cultures is, uh, really refreshing and, um, more than refreshing. It's actually life-changing when you begin to realize that life doesn't have to be about that. And, um, and so who are you? when you're no longer interested in your bank account, you're no longer interested in 
possessions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we all as spiritual people can say that easily and say, oh yeah, I'm not interested in that. But when, when you're actually faced with, you know, the reality of that, it's, it's very different. It's very different. I, I, I'm not quite sure how to get it across to the listeners today, but it, it, the, the knowing it and experiencing it are two different things. And so I hope that the listeners today will, um, you know, I invite you to really experience it fully. And it's difficult to do that in North America, but I think it can be done. It's just a little bit more practice mentally to be able to get there. Mm -hmm. And also a good question to, to support that, I think, is what what are you basing your decisions on in your life is it based on survival and money and status or is it based on your purpose your passion the people and environments that really bring you joy and in north america you know one of the practices that i take people through um in my book um this isn't about my book but just in general is is really getting clear on what the things where you are spending your time because if you're putting all your time and energy into things that are just towards money and survival in the space of from the outside in well you aren't actually valuing your spirit and what you're saying so just getting clear on where you're spending your time and energy and how you're making decisions i think that right there can illuminate a lot of this Yes, good point. Well, you know, Deidre and I are very much soul sisters. So <laughs> we we experience these things together. And, and uh, I think that's why this conversation is just so powerful and, and relevant for for all of us right now. Uh, because it's, it's one thing to write about it. It's another thing to actually experience it. And, and so um, as I flip back, you know, today, I knew we were having this podcast and that you're going to be, you know, talking or asking questions about my book, I was flipping through a few things. And I thought, Oh, that's so interesting that some of the things that I wrote about, now I would add more because there was more deep uh, experience in a different culture that that has enriched the, um, you know, the text. So yeah, and that will be your next book or edition number two. One of the things I would love to talk about is I know that there's different archetypes that you reference in your book. I'd love to talk about them and how we can identify which one we're potentially in and what the gifts are and also what the, you know, weaknesses are and how we can support those and really connect more with people who are in these archetypes. Absolutely. So the first thing is that I do have an archetype quiz. So if any of you want to go to karenmcgregor.com and take the quiz, you'll 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 see which one comes out and understand your archetype a lot more. Um, but for the purposes of today, just to give you a quick overview, what I did was in my book, I talked about um how all of us as babies were actually born with open hearts, born as loving, open human beings. And our only, uh, you know, challenge as a, as a baby is to, to try and figure out, I mean, there's so much stimulation. That's why a lot of babies cry when they come out of the womb. There's so much stimulation. What, what do I focus on? And so they end up focusing on usually the caretaker, mother, father, whoever it is. 
their, their face and their expressions and they start to understand uh, what is, you know, what makes that person smile. And usually it's pretty much everything when you're a baby, but as you grow older, you look at those faces and you think, uh-oh, how come mommy isn't happy or how come daddy's not smiling right now at me? And so we actually start to develop patterns, I call them power patterns, to be able to get those people to smile again, but also at the same time, get what we want. Mm. Right. We all, cause this is about survival and emotional survival when you're, when you're that young. So what happens is that there's certain things that we do that we notice cause we're smart as babies. We notice, Oh, that worked. <laughs> so I'm going to do that again. And so, and then other things, it's like, oh, that didn't work so well. So I'm just going to set that one aside. So whatever works and doesn't work, we, we start to figure that out. And we develop what I call patterns of power that actually support us in those younger years to survive and to thrive. But the problem is that those patterns, as we get older, they become more and more manipulative, but we don't see it, right? Mm -hmm. We don't see it. So as an example, um, the controller uh, is one of the eight power patterns, which is the archetype of the boar. So what I did was I took eight power patterns and, and, and saw that there were four major archetypes to make it more simple because you know, when you read the eight, it's, it's, it's wonderful and is beautiful. But uh, like you said, Deidre, sometimes the archetypes are a bit easier to, um, to, uh, to see ourselves in and to follow. So as an example, the power pattern of, of uh, being a controller or the bore, this is what I call the bore, is someone who did not have control as a, as a young person. They, in fact, they felt like their family, their environment, maybe in school, was completely chaotic, uh, out of control. And so they started to develop the controller in order to survive that. So the controller looks like someone who you know, has it all together, always reaches their goals on time. Um, and and that's that can be seen as very positive. They're often the people who achieve the most. But the downside of that is that they are micromanaging everything. They're often anxious um, about, you know, other people working for them or with them. So often they say, oh, I'll do it myself. You know, so-and-so betrayed me or didn't do it right. And why am I even hiring people? You know, and so as a leader, we have to look at how often do we have those thoughts of trying to control people, but also situations uh, in our business and in our life. So the boar is, um, you know, very much... Uh, grows up in that environment of chaos, but now wants to control everything. Quite often, it can be parents who are uh, well-meaning, but they don't provide the emotional stability. Perhaps they're fighting all the time. And, uh, and so the child grows up saying, you know what, 
I can't control that my parents are fighting all the time. Therefore, I'm going to decide to control every aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. Often these people move out early, the uh, early out of the household. Uh, and, and it's because they want to control the environment and, um, and it works. It works for certain people uh, to get their goals met, but they often end up themselves being divorced uh, or having a, a business divorce, you know, um, getting into a lot of arguments, um, you know, those kinds of things and just not uh, being a team player. So, so they can only reach a certain level of success if they don't have that, what you do, Deidre, which is teach more about the self-realization and the, the consciousness aspect. So that's the board. The butterfly, on the other hand, had often a similar upbringing, except that the chaos was intermittent. So the chaos of the family was it was stable and then suddenly something would happen and it could be um, like a bombshell, like mom and dad are getting divorced, or it could be, um, you know, dad lost his job and uh, you know, mom now also has to find some better work or different work. And so the dynamics of the family change, whatever it is, but it's usually something very sudden that happens. Um, could be a financial loss in the family as well. So what happens for the butterfly is that the butterfly sees the chaos and is a sensitive soul. Butterflies are usually sensitive. They're very intuitive and they have a magnetic personality. Generally speaking, people love them. They're, they gravitate to the butterfly. So the butterfly, um, when you think of in nature, the butterfly has these beautiful big wings. Everyone's attracted to the butterfly, but the butterfly only lands for a little while and <laughs> takes off again. So, you know, right, beautiful butterfly. Everybody loves butterfly, but oh, where did the butterfly go now? You know, so butterfly is about exploring the world and, and, and everything, but on the shadow side, it can be that the butterfly doesn't follow through. The butterfly doesn't um, do what he or she says they're going to do. And therefore, it can create problems in a relationship. So sometimes the butterfly, if they don't look at their shadow, it could be that they, they, um, uh, they follow external shiny objects shiny object syndrome, but they don't ever uh, like really deeply value themselves enough to create what they want in their life. Mm -hmm. And so it's always about the stopping and starting again. Now, if the butterfly can look at that and really work with that and, and heal some of their wounds, which of course is what uh, Deidre helps a lot of people with as well, which is beautiful um, I think then we can start to see the butterfly in its power versus in its on its shadow side. So that's two of them. Do you want to hear the other two or do you oh, want to? Oh, I'm so them? I want to hear them. I yeah. totally want to hear them. <laughs> okay. Okay. So then the armadillo, I, you know, I oh, live with so. I live with an armadillo. So <laughs> and sometimes, you know, you can be both. You know, I live with an armadillo who happens to have some boorish qualities. 
usually it's one or two of these power patterns that you identify with most, not all four. Um, So the armadillo is someone, uh, if you think of an armadillo in nature, they have a very hard shell and they're slow to move. So they're not like a boar that's like, let's get it done. I've met this person. Let's, let's unite and live together after two weeks, you know, <laughs> like that's the bore, right? That's the bore. Let's just make this happen as fast as possible. I'm, I'm a bore. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you see that, right? I see. Um, yeah. A happy bore. Thank goodness. <laughs> and so the armadillo is almost the opposite to a boar, which is sometimes why boars and armadillos attract each other because they have different qualities. Uh, but an armadillo will always observe a situation and take a long time to make a decision. Now, mm-hmm. sometimes that is good for business partnerships to have a boar and an armadillo if they can manage to get along because the armadillo will do the research, look into things, you know, and really sort of observe the situation. Mm -hmm. Now, however, in a relationship, armadillos can suffer because again, they're very, very intelligent and they're very smart. Uh, But the thing is, they would rather withdraw when there's any sign of conflict. They would rather withdraw when there's a party or a big social setting. They're they're more inclined to be by themselves. And so the shadow side of the armadillo is that they just, they, 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 they go too much into themselves and therefore other people can't relate to them. Mm-hmm. And, and often this comes from a childhood where, you know, armadillos are extremely sensitive. And if they, if there's any conflict in the family, or if they sense that there's conflict, that's not being talked about the armadillo, instead of, you know, trying to figure it out or, or, you know, like a boar sort of like take control, they actually do the opposite, which is that they withdraw and become very silent. And people say, oh, you're so shy. You're so, you know, you're not, you're just like this uh, shy person when they're little, they're actually not shy. It's just that they grew up in an environment where they happened to be sensitive and they chose to withdraw rather than to participate fully in life. Mm-hmm. And so it uh, doesn't mean that they don't have the feelings that other people do, that the expression, but the problem is that a lot of other people around them think they're insensitive when they're actually extremely sensitive, but they've learned to withdraw. And so that's the thing for armadillos that they have to balance. Um, and then, of course, we have the cockatoo. Now, a cockatoo, if you think of it in nature, <laughs> a, cockatoo, like a cockatoo loves to talk, right? Like you can teach it to talk and it loves to talk all day long. So a, a cockatoo is very, very much about relationship. In fact, in real life, this is an interesting fact. If you have a cockatoo in your home and you just like feed it and water it, but you don't have a relationship with it, it will die. It will just die. And so cockatoos need relationships. They need people. They need to be around people. And that's what they thrive on. 
And that's a good thing. We we need cockatoos in this world. They're the ones that bring everybody together and 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 you know the the parties. They're the ones that that get everybody together for a party or you know they're fun and relatable and all of that. But the shadow side of the cockatoo is that they tend to be um hurt easily by other people they tend to be what we talk we talk about the victim power pattern so they can easily go into victimhood so while they're wonderful with people and very relatable they can go into oh he or she said this or did this to me and they they jump into into that pattern of victimhood now why because when they were little there were uh, most likely with their parents, uh, sometimes with siblings, but they were most likely betrayed in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether they as big betrayals or little betrayals doesn't matter, but the cockatoo remembers those and takes them on as personal wounds. And then those wounds just get amplified with new relationships and and colleagues and and everything else. So the cockatoo ends up on the on the shadow side, believing I'm not enough. I'm going to be betrayed. You know, uh, people uh, people lie. People are not nice. Um, so they they have an issue with with trust while at the same time trying to be very open-hearted and relatable with people. So it's sort of a a tricky thing with cockatoos. Gossip can happen. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they can, on the dark side, on the shadow side, there can be a lot of gossip and a lot of, uh, you know, why, why is that person here? I don't like them. And, you know, that kind of thing. Um, that's the shadow side, but a light cockatoo is the life of the party. They organize parties. They love to be with people. And, um, and so we need cockatoos in our world to step up as leaders, but often they don't because they've got this shadow side that they haven't worked through. So those are the four archetypes, Deidre. Love that. And uh, hopefully uh, people can see a little bit of themselves in there, whether it's the light or the shadow or both. Um, But the idea is that we just be observant of our own nature, our own thoughts, our own behaviors. And and when we need the support to get the support. Right. I think that's really important. And and people like you, Deidre, who actually help people work through uh, some of those deeper um, things that stop us from being powerful leaders is really important. Mm-hmm. I I love the archetypes because they're so relatable. I was like, you know what? I think I'm the butterfly. I feel like there's some bore for sure because I tend to push through my goals. Um, but I, I'm like, I, I resonate with three of them. I'm like the butterfly, the boar, and then the cockatoo. I don't even know if I said that right, because anyways, I'm just, I'm excited to get more into your book on these and take the quiz because I haven't taken the quiz before. Oh yeah. Go, yes. Go to karenmcgregor.com and take the quiz. It's lots of fun. Okay. Amazing. So I would love to just, as we start to kind of wrap things up um, today, I'd love to talk a little bit about, so we're talking about leadership. This is something that I love to support people on is really becoming an embodied leader, living and leading from the heart. So what are some practices or tools that 
you know, um, aside from going and taking the quiz and also ordering your book, which I'll add all the links and stuff below um, the video and also in the episode, what are some simple things that people can start to do to gain a little bit of reflection on potentially how things are showing up in their life and potentially how it's blocking them from being the leader that they want to be? Because it's really about leadership, like ancient wisdom for modern leaders and entrepreneurs. And I know as entrepreneurs, we have to lead, we have to show up. So what are some tools that um, can help our listeners today to get more um, aware of how they're showing up? Yes, for sure. So the 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 first uh, part of my book talks about power. And I think of, of everything that a leader can do, we need to be aware of how we are showing up in our power. And so really, um, you know, people think sometimes of as power as, as negative or even the term dark power has been used. Um, but in my book and, and in my talks, um, you know, the, the idea of power is that it's, it's based in love. There is only one true power. And that is love. Mm-hmm. And so coming back to love is actually what an embodied leader needs to do is constantly come back to love. Because if we are in any sort of fear, then as you know, uh, our world doesn't work well. Um, our relationships don't work well. Our choices in, in our business tend to be less than satisfactory. And of course, that depth of fear and the wounds that have originally, you know, uh, created all of this fear uh, is something that we, you know, we really have to look at. And and even if the listeners today, even if you think, well, kind of know what my wounds are, I know what my fears are, um, that knowing it and then actually experiencing it and seeing it for what it is on a daily basis is what creates powerful leadership. So that self-awareness, not just once in a while, but it's a consistent practice. And so when I talk about these consistent practices, the first thing is, yes, we have to be aware of all eight power patterns, which I talk about in the book, there, there has to be a depth of awareness in order to reach another level of leadership, or we're always going to be stumped by that thing. Mm -hmm. Um, The second part of my book talks about presence. And I think for all of us, the, the tools around presence, definitely meditation, stilling the mind, um being aware of our thoughts consistently throughout the day is so so important mm-hmm. i think out of everything a leader can do presence is 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 the number one thing that is needed more than anything on the planet right now because we are so distracted uh, that we can't even hold a conversation for more than a couple of minutes without thinking about something else, someone else, or something we have to do. Which br- brings me back to Mexico. Uh, I, it's not that you have to move countries, but it is that you have to create an environment that is is still, that is still, and uh, and and so ask yourself right now. Where in my environment can I create more stillness? 
Can I do it in a way that actually supports me to grow as a leader? Because without that stillness, even, you know, even the Bible and all sorts of um, holy texts, they all talk about that one thing, right? That if we can be still in our mind, that is where our power, our, our natural influence to, to create a conscious world comes from. And, uh, and presence uh, is impossible without that inner stillness. But it's easier if the external is also still. Uh, not necessary, but it's much easier. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I feel that we are so overstimulated these days by notifications on our phone, from social media, from everything around us. So getting out of nature is such a beautiful practice for that. And then just having these non-negotiables around time, energy, space, and then, of course, the right environment. So. Thanks so much for being here. Is there anything else you'd like to leave our listeners with today, Karen? Wow, good question. Um, you know, I think that one of the biggest things in my book that that I, I, I took from the Tao Te Ching, that's why it's called the Tao of Influence, um, is in the Tao Te Ching, sorry, is a 4,000-year-old wisdom text. And it really talks about how to live life from a spiritual wellness balanced perspective. Um, and, and, and I find that the, the thing that influenced me the most from that text and what I base pretty much the whole book on, which I would like to leave readers with is um, we all have challenges. It's not that, you know, it's, it's of no interest to me to compare my challenges to someone else's because everybody has an internal dialogue about their challenges. But the difference between a great leader and and someone who is uh, just going through the motions is that you begin to see that your challenges don't have to be experienced as challenges. Mm. You begin to see that and it dawns on you that, wow, I could actually have this challenge and not experience it that way in my mind, in my emotions. That's where the real growth comes from, is that journey. So I encourage all of you and invite you all into that reality, uh, which makes for a much more joyful existence. Mm, I love that. So I recommend picking up the book. I will add a link below going to Karen's website, doing the quiz. I know I'm going to do that as soon as we're done chatting here. (laughs) Thanks so much for being here and talking about leadership and influence. Um, I, this is like, this is so much of the conversation that I have on a regular basis. And what I love about what you've done is you've created these archetypes for people to identify where they're at, how it's showing up and how they can begin to move through it, as well as adding this ancient wisdom as far as practical things that people can put into action, because I think that's what's really needed. So thanks so much for being here. I will add all of Karen's information below. Make sure to grab her book. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited to dive more into it. So thanks for being here and, and sharing your wisdom today. Thank you so much, Deidre. Take care, everyone. 
Thanks for listening to the Radically Aligned Show. We love our community and we love that you're here spending time with us. And we want to hear from you. What has been your biggest insight, win, or aha, or moment during this episode? We'd love to have you join the community. So come on over to Facebook. We have a Facebook community for the Radically Aligned community. And we'd love to hear what you're up to, what your stories are, what's resonating, and what you want more of. And if you haven't already, go ahead and click subscribe so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes that drop every Thursday. And if you love the show, you love the content, please go ahead and leave a review. It would mean so much to us. Have an amazing day. Sending you lots of love. Mwah.